Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Ecuador Insider Podcast. I am Jesse Bayer, joined as always by Darnell Dunn. We are the co-founders and managing partners of Abundant Living Ecuador, a real estate and relocation services firm based out of Loja, Ecuador. You can find us on our website at abecuador.com. Uh, reach us on our toll-free line from the U.S. or Canada at 888-999-0948. And of course, email us at info at abecuador.com. Um, we'll just uh, briefly run through the other sites. Uh, you can sign up for our real estate tour uh, at abectour.com or our relocation services, which is uh, set up for people moving to Ecuador who want help in that entire process at ecrelocation.com. So check us out there. Um, we are here on Sunday, May 8th, Mother's Day, uh, 2016. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. Well done. <laughs> um, I called my mom to wish her a happy Mother's Day. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? <laughs> um, with another uh, spectacular day here in Loja, we've been, um, I don't know, how many weeks now of like incredible weather? I'd say about two and a half. Oh, something man, like that. I was thinking like four or five, <laughs> but I'm pretty bad with time, so I'll take your word for it. So a uh, few weeks here of, of exceptional weather. It's funny, um, I, I overheard you talking on the phone to somebody the other day, and you were mentioning how like when you lived in the northeast of the U.S., you you thought and said that like seasons were cool, that like you like seasons. You know, it's good to have the changing of the season. And then I heard you say something like, and I, I'll get this, you know, not exactly, but you you said something like, you know, that's just something we tell ourselves when we live in places where it gets really cold. <laughs> and I got to say, like, it's, you know, it is pretty nice living in living somewhere where, you know, it doesn't really ever get below 50 and rarely below 60. Yeah. No. And I stand by that statement. It's just a lie. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's a lie. He's lying to himself. Uh, the person I was speaking to, actually my father, um, if he came here, well, if he was you know, um, responsible enough to go and get a passport that he's been saying that he was going to do for, you know, God knows how long. Throwing then. your father <laughs> under the bus on air on Mother's Day, huh? <laughs> At least it's not yeah, Father's Day. Right, exactly. You know, my mother would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> they are divorced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, getting uh, personal with the jokes here tonight. but um, uh, Those are the best kind. Absolutely. But um, yeah, but I mean, it is pretty sweet. Uh, and we've been just exceptional weather for a while. It does rain here from time to time. We get some stretches of like uh, consistent rain, which I don't enjoy. Some people do, but. Yeah. Um, Today was kind of a Florida day because it was really nice in the morning and then it got cloudy and rained a little bit and then cleared back up. Yeah, it's funny too. I was in Vilcabamba. Today is uh, Sunday, as I mentioned. I was in Vilcabamba this weekend. I was there yesterday. And um, I hadn't been there in maybe a week or two. Usually I'm there uh, at least every week, you know, doing something work-related. Um, and, you know, you get over that mountain from Loja, and then you start going down towards Rumishitana, which is a property, uh, property, <laughs> a uh, town about halfway between Loja and Malacatos. Where we happen to have some property. Some properties, right? <laughs> properties on the mind. Um, and, you know, you just start feeling that change in temperature where it's like, Maybe maybe while you're driving from Loja, maybe you've got all four of your windows cracked, you know, four inches. And then you get to that point where it's like all the windows come down and you just feel that almost like 
you know, that it's not like that Florida heat. Like I used to fly to Florida from time to time and, you know, you get off the plane there um, and, and that heat hits you as you walk out and it's kind of moist. It's not that same moisture, but it's similar in the way that, you know, the warm air hits you and you're just like, oh, wow, this is a different climate. Um, and, you know, I miss that climate. I'm a warm weather person. I like that climate and that climate is certainly here. But Loja is a cooler city. Loja is, you know, 6,500 feet, more, give or take, above sea level. And um, Vilcabamba is around 5,000. So you get that, you know, I don't know, what, what would you say? Like about, about 10 degrees cooler on average maybe, but like your daytime highs can often be much closer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So interesting. Uh, and I, you know, I encourage everybody, if you haven't checked out last week's show, episode 19, in our opinion, you know, we knocked it out of the park. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but it was a good show. Um, so in go check other that people's out. opinion, we knocked it out we of the park. We had some good feedback on that. Yeah. A couple of people emailed us, uh, one in particular about the, uh, the sex tourist comment, <laughs> comment right? which we, which we may have a funny article for you tonight if we, if we get that far, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me, just Ugh, wrong pipe. Um, also, if anybody out there has questions or topics that they would like covered, and in some point in the future, we may go live on this show um, and have call-ins and like record it uh, via like a video. I don't know what do they call those things, like a webcast or something. Um, and uh, we may we may you know do that. At this point, obviously, we're not doing that now. But if you have questions or topics you'd like us to cover. Uh, maybe, you know, it's too in-depth to, like, have us answer in an email, but it's something, you know, you, you're interested in and probably other people are interested in if you are. Um, you know, shoot it to our to our info box, info at abequador.com, and, and we'll see if we can address, uh, address those things. Um, you know, get a little interactive here on the Inside Ecuador Insider podcast. No, that uh, really dovetail, dovetails well into something that I was going to bring up on air. You know, um, I'd be really interested to hear everyone's feedback on the real estate tour. Um, we, our idea behind having the first group tour in January was to give people, um, just give people a time to come where the weather would be really, really nice. Um, January typically is really, really good weather without, without a whole lot of, without, without fail, basically. Whereas there are other parts of the year um, that are just more difficult where the weather could be good or bad. Uh, and, we that, were and that's basically summer in the States where right. the weather can be hit or miss here. Right. At the same time, that seems to be the time where people have free. Um, so we'd be interested to hear your feedback. We've, we've gotten, you know, mixed responses. People have, are really interested in the group tour, but in terms of the private tour, um, it seems like, you know, people are kind of voting with their feet by um, not signing in the, by it not really being full. So if you all knowing that the weather might be hit or miss still want to come, let us know because we're in a position where we could move up that group tour. Um, if that's going to be of interest, but if it's not going to be of interest and we'd rather stick with January. So, um, anybody who's interested in the, in the real estate tour, I encourage you to go check out the itinerary and uh, email us at uh, info at abequador.com and let us know your thoughts. And again, you can check out that itinerary at abectour.com, get all that information, sign up. Obviously, you know, email us with any questions or give us a ring on the toll-free line and we'd be happy to answer them for you. But yeah, that's a great point. Um, all right, we've got a bunch of stuff tonight. Um, definitely some interesting international news, some real estate news, 
uh, some local news out of Loja, some some observations of ours as far as what's happening here, um, some investment stuff we're going to get into. I think uh, maybe a good place to start is um, what's happening here in Loja. Um, and so let me just let me just set this up a little bit. Um, and we've talked about this every every week, basically on the show. I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but you know, Ecuador is going through um, a lot of economic um, uh, what's the word economic challenges. challenges. Yeah, um, and I, and I won't rattle those off because I we do it every week. But Ecuador is going through a bunch of economic challenges. They just had an earthquake, which which the rebuilding process will certainly add to that as far as uh, how much money will be spent without return. Um, and yet, here we are in Loja, Ecuador, and we've been here for th- almost three years, three years in July, um, and we've seen, since we've shown up here, a fairly rapid gentrification process. Um, and it's really interesting how the city is gentrifying ju- juxtaposed to a country in a, re- a really a depression, uh, if if you want to talk it, you know, in economic terms, and I forget the actual definition of how many negative quarters and what uh, two, it's two, two negative, negative quarters, quarters at at how much percent? Um, just negative. Is a depression? No, no, no. It's a recession. Recession. Oh, a dep- I said depression. Yes. Yeah. No, it's some amount. It's I, I don't have it in front yeah. of me, but it, anyway. Well, you said you said recession when you meant depression. Oh, okay. If I did, I think I said whatever. Um, but anyways, we're in a, a recession, perhaps a depression. Um, I don't have the definition of that in front of me, but the point is, you know, we're in negative GDP land uh, a good deal, and that that may be a very negative number this year, as high as six, seven percent, given the earthquake. Yeah. Prior um, to the earthquake. The IMF came out with a projection that said that um, the Ecuadorian economy would shrink by four and a half percent pre-earthquake. So post-earthquake, yeah, I think you could be talking about anywhere between um, you know negative six to negative ten percent potentially. Right. So you know a country struggling financial economically, and yet a city gentrifying, um, and that was really. You know, did we move to Loja because we were like, hey, you know, this is the next meal. This is the next hot thing in in Ecuador, the next hot thing in in Latin America. Absolutely not. However, um, you know, because we moved here because we loved uh, the climate. We loved uh, the the, the amount of population there was. We loved where it was located. We loved that it wasn't on a fault line. We loved the people. It wasn't near any volcanoes. It was away from the coast. You could grow year-round. You know, lots of reasons that we chose to move here. But as soon as we showed up, we were like, oh, wow, this is going to be the next next thing to pop. Um, I'll give you uh, sort of when when we got here, um, I don't know. We were probably here at this point within less than a couple of months. Yeah, because we we arrived in the country July thirty first of two thousand thirteen. Uh, we spent the most of August traveling, you know, traveling the coast, other parts of the country, um, and then I think you be- went back to New York City at the, towards the end of August. Whereas I came here, and I got here the twenty fourth of August two thousand thirteen was here for like a week and a half and then went back home as well to get some documents to apply for a visa. And um, at that point, and then came back to Aloha, I don't know, mid-September of 2013, something like that. And by the way, just to throw this in there, both you and I had to travel back to the States for documents. And like, those are one of the reasons, reasons we launched or we offer the product uh, relocation services because 
there's so many little hassles like that, that like having done it and then having helped a lot of other people do it, it's very easy to do, but it's a very big pain in the ass when you haven't done it because you just don't know what to do to prepare yourself for all the things you need to do. So you end up having to do things like travel back to your home country to get documents, uh, which both of us had to do, that you wouldn't do if somebody was, you know, holding your hand through the process. Very good point. Um, but, you know, we were in Loja, so yeah, exactly. So I got back, uh, I went back at the end of July, like maybe the last day of July or something, or August, excuse me, and then got back to Loja sometime around uh, the, the second week of September. Let's say a, a month or two after that, after I, you know, got to know Loja a little bit, um, I was actually living in Vilcabamba at the time, Darnell was living in Loja. I'm looking around at the city and I'm saying, wow, you know, this city has everything to offer that Cuenca has. Uh, and I say everything, it doesn't have everything. Um, and we can get into that. We've gotten into that on other shows. There's a blog written about it that Darnell penned called Loja vs. Cuenca, which is really good uh, addressing this subject. I'm not going to cover that now, but it has a lot of what Cuenca has to offer and a better climate, um, and yet no foreigners, basically an undiscovered city internationally. And that's changing now. Foreigners are coming. Um, and, I, and I'd say that it's a place that's, that is always on the radar. It's always something that people consider, but maybe are not comfortable with going and checking it out or don't know anybody there. And, you know, as a result, don't end up doing it. Um, but I, that's also changing as well too. And we've had a couple of different tour groups who've come in and that I've had, um, interactions with and that you've had interactions with. In fact, um, there were a couple of people who just came into town today because there are a couple of different tour options, but I think they really complement our tour in the sense that ours is really more of a focus on real estate Versus I think the other two tours, um, one out of Cuenca and one out of Quito, I think they do, they more so focus on a different, people who are in a different stage of their of their transition, whereas they're kind of just figuring things out. And a lot of times we interact with those groups as well too. So I think that's good because it, it, it sets up, you know, I might spend a, you know, a, a day, you know, a half a day with the group and show them, you know, a couple of rental properties or show them our website or just give them an idea of what real estate options there are. And that's kind of part of a wider, you know, experience that they're having to just figure out if Ecuador is the right place for them. And I think once people have done that, you know, our tour sort of makes a little bit more sense for those people. Yeah. And I mean, I think really like, I think kind of, you know, we're trying to play both sides of that fence. It's like people, it's like the other tours, which I've heard really good things about a few of them. Um, it's really just get to know Ecuador, period. End of story. And it's like our tour, we want you to get to know Ecuador and we want you to get to know the Ecuadorian real estate market. And we also want, want to get you prepared for life in Ecuador should you choose to move here. Um, so we're trying to like hit all of those things as opposed to somebody coming, doing a tour, checking out the country and then coming out, having to come back and check out the real estate market and find all the contacts that can help them with things like visas and banking and investing and, you know, all those sorts of uh, issues. It's like we want to give you all of that in one shot. Um, but anyhow, so I don't know, a couple of months in Loja, um, I'm looking around and I'm saying, wow, this is an expanding city. You know, you talk to people and they say, you know, Loja 10 years ago, you know, only covered this amount of the valley. And now it covers this amount of the valley. And yet... All of the hills around Loja at that time were essentially undeveloped. Um, basically, the valley below a certain point was developed, and then above a certain point essentially was not. Of, you know, here and there, but essentially was not. And at the time, it seemed like 
uh, Ecuadorians were not so interested in living in those beautiful mountain mountainous you know areas. Not mountainous in the sense that they're um, not flat. I just mean mountainous in the sense that you're high up and you have the views. Um, areas above the Valley of Loja, which to a foreigner really from my perspective, would be the best place to live. You can spread out. You can have some space. You can have the views. The air is incredible up there. Um, you know, you get the sunrise and sunset uh, really, you know, over the mountains and the windmills on one side, which are really ugly, if you ask me. But um, but um, yeah. they had a um, <laughs> interesting uh, like sidebar here. So when um, when they were talking about doing the this. Um, wind farm in off the coast of uh, Massachusetts in the Cape. They, this was like a oh, big... I remember this. They were like, I voted down. Like my, my, I have family in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like, people were talking about, it's going to be an eyesore and it's going to destroy my property value and like this, that, and the third. And personally, I don't think they look bad. Um, I but, I can <laughs> but I can understand why somebody wouldn't want that disturbing their view. Um so it's just interesting here, people uniformly like it. I've never heard anything negative about it here from Ecuadorians. Right. Consent, the consensus is in. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the foreigners who come here, oddly enough, like it. I haven't oh, right. had anybody well, it's that say. whole like global warming, like forward thinking, progressive, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Progressive. That's the <laughs> word I was going to say. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. Right. Anyhow, so I'm looking around. I'm saying, wow, you know, this is an expanding city that doesn't have anywhere to expand but up. Um... And I was saying to Darnell, my God, we should put a fund together and buy all this land, or not all of it, of course, but buy a lot of land in the upper regions of the Valley of Loja, because outside of those places, there's nowhere for Loja to expand. I then subsequently rented a house uh, many months later uh, in one of those areas. When I moved in, there were not a single house built above me. There are now at least 15 or 20 luxury homes built in the, that area above the house that I'm in, in those areas surrounding Loha. So it's a great example, but I think even maybe a better example is like we're just seeing every new store or shop or restaurant that opens up is like posh. It's like hot shit. It's like, you know, it's like uh, trendy. It's, it's like, you know... Uh, uh, what's the word when um, urban chic? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know, yuppies. It's like yuppie. <laughs> yeah. So the, y yuppies <laughs> are like the old hipsters. Yeah, or right. Yeah, right. That might work. Yeah, yeah not yeah. not necessarily in terms of who they are, but what they represent. Like, well, the, but see, the hipsters come first. At least, well, okay. So let's let's frame this for a second. So you know, if I actually made my money, uh figuring out which neighborhood was the next to gentrify in New York. That was, you know, what I was doing in, in New York City. Um, now, the parameters, as many of you know, probably for, because it's really, I think is true for any city in the States, and I, I haven't invested in Europe, I don't know about Europe, but I would guess it's probably the same, is the first thing to happen when a neighborhood is going to gentrify is the artists move in, um, immediately followed by and sort of one in the same with hipsters. Um, and once the artists and hipsters are in, even in small numbers, that's almost a guarantee that next the yuppies are going to come. <laughs> so, so it's so they're like they're sort of like, you know, that way, I think. But um, 
But anyways, we've seen that happen in, in here, and here it's very different, I think, the factors driving gentrification. It's certainly not artists and yuppies and hipsters. Um, it's more... Expats, I would say. It's expats, and it's, it's like the expats have hit a lot of the places in Ecuador and not here yet. So this is sort of like the next place in a natural progression. Right. Because I don't think there's really anywhere. It's kind of the last... The last, uh, the last frontier of the of the mountain cities, right? And that's something you would look for back home as well. I mean, the neighborhood that I ended up investing in in Brooklyn, it was the last neighborhood in New York City that had brownstones that you could get for under a million dollars. Um, so it was, you know, it was fair, and there was a lot of other factors that there's no point for me to get into here, but but it was fairly obvious that that particular place was going to attract a lot of people over the coming years. And I think Loja in that way is the same. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And what other sort of aspects do you see um, some similarities between the gentrification of a neighborhood like Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn, where you made your money, and here in Loja? I mean, I think the only real... Um, the, most, of the, most of the things that I see are very different. I mean, the, the factors driving... The gentrification, and I don't know if you would really call it gentrification in Loja. It's not like it's not like different people are moving in. Like in the states, you think of gentrification, it's like you know, it's like the people who have lived there forever, like you know, get like priced out, and like you know, yuppies move in. That's kind of like the deal. Um, in other words, you get rid of all the black people, <laughs> right? Right. Um, um, whereas, whereas you know, here nobody's leaving or coming per se. It's more just the city getting nicer basically um so it's different in that way um but the things that i would some people might disagree with you (laughs) (laughs) touche um but 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 so it's different but i think the thing that i see that's the same is the process of of gentrification but i i I would use a different word here i don't know what the word is but i'll just use gentrification because i don't have a better word but the process of gentrification so Whereas, like, in the neighborhood I was in, the 99-cent shops and liquor stores turned into pretty little cafes and pretty little bars or restaurants and, and you know, corner stores that were nicer and, you know, had organic options and stuff. Um, that's what you saw there. What here, what you see is it's like a lunch place that's just like your average, everyday Ecuadorian lunch place um, will turn into, like, a little pastry shop. Or a pretty little cafe that serves coffee and is really nicely decorated and like looks pretty and you know prices are also a little higher as well. Um, so you're seeing like that sort of gentrification and then the construction as well. I mean, when we first got here, there was nowhere near as many nice buildings, nice homes as you see now, and you're seeing those go up as well a lot in a time when construct you know. Uh, constructors, I'm using the Spanish word, developers um, can't get loans. So you're still seeing that in the face of that. So it's kind of interesting. Though. Yeah, that is. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it just seems like the factors driving the change may not be the same, but the change is still happening. Exactly. But black people aren't getting pushed out <laughs> <laughs> because you're one of 10 black people. In <laughs> not enough of us to push out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Darnell, it's it's a very funny thing here. In fact, like we've never talked about this. Let's talk for for one two minutes about race in Ecuador. Okay. Um, that's good because lots of people ask me about it in right. a really like uncomfortable way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You get all those like weird like white people talking to black people comments that yeah, like, right. are like borderline offensive, but like sort of just kind of strange and like, in, like <laughs> it's kind of like curiosity, like mixed with a lot of other weird emotions, and it just comes out in a very weird jumble. It's like it's. It's like all of a sudden I'm like transported in onto the set of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great analogy. Um, so, I mean, here's one of the funniest shows ever. Oh, I, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, sort of Jewish. So, you know, I and from New York. So I appreciate that show immensely. But um, anyway, so. Ecuador is, 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 well, looks, I've traveled some of Latin America. I used to be married to a Venezuelan woman. Um, Latin America is not a not racist place. Um, let's just start there. Um, the racism is different. So if you look at the history of Latin America and the history of the U.S., for example, the U.S., uh, the history of the U.S. was political inclusion, social exclusion. So there was always this idea, and of course, yeah, if you go back to slavery, if you go back to Jim Crow, obviously there was a lot of you know <laughs> things that happened that didn't fall in line with this. But if you look at sort of the rhetoric and the attitude and beliefs, it was always like, let other races participate politically but don't let your daughter marry one, <laughs> right? It was like it was like social exclusion, but political inclusion. And I, I, I totally like recognize that that's not across the board. I'm just saying um, that was the overarching theme. If you if you look at Latin America, it was the opposite. So it was social inclusion. So you could have sex with uh, whatever you know, uh, indigenous or slave, uh, you know. Uh, individual and have children and do that whole thing and even be friends but but they couldn't own land and they couldn't vote and all these kind of like political exclusion stuff so if you look at how that's played out to today um in the states racism is more based around like a personal dislike it's like you know i don't like you because you're x kind of thing it's that same like social exclusion stuff whereas if you look at latin america it's very much like, well, you know, I'll be your boy and I'll smile on your face and I'll pretend you're the same and I'll pretend we're equal and all this stuff, but you're not working, you're not getting in my company. You're not, you're not, you're not gonna, you know, run for office. You're not gonna hold an important position kind of thing. Right. So, no, and that sort of ties into just the whole like Latin America sort of way of being in the sense that like people are very um, aware of their position. It's like, oh, you know, I work at this place, so I'm this kind of person and I have these group, I have this group of friends and I'm affiliated with these organizations. It's very much like part of your identity. Agreed. And people really like wrap their ego around it in a certain way that's happens back home, but just differently. And I would say less, um, it's like people might feel that way, but people back home would be embarrassed to let other people know that they feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Whereas here, it's kind of like, fine. well, it's like, well, the way that plays out in certain ways, like you, you, I, you can call people by how they look here without offending anybody. So you can say like, like any girl who's skinny is flacca, any guy who's skinny is flacco, any like, you know, woman who's like 
10% dark skinned is, you know, is negrita or, or something like that. So, so you can call, so, you know, hey, gordo, like, you know, yeah, which hey, fat means guy. fat guy. Yeah. So like, so like there's no, I mean, for example, when you submit a resume in Latin America, you include your picture, something that I think is illegal in the States. Yeah. Like, um, so it's very different that way. But I would say like interesting uh so this is like I'm I'm white obviously and and I you know on my background I've Irish and I'm Jewish and I and I I grew up in Vermont and lived in New York most of my life so that's my background so from from my perspective um so I got here I'm aware obviously of race and like how you know I uh, I'll sound like a racist person right now and say like, you know, I always had tons of, uh, non, <laughs> non, white friends, uh, you know, my whole life, um, which like any racist, of course we'll say, or yeah. anybody. I'm not racist. I'm not I, racist. I, have a, I have a black friend. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, you know, I'm aware of those things, but it's still from my perspective, from my slant. So, you know, we got here, um, I, we flew in, we, we got into Quito. And um, we're staying at a. Actually, this is this was. Excuse me. This was actually after the three weeks when we were traveling. Oh, you're talking about that guy at the hotel the who didn't like hotel, me. Like right. that guy had an issue with me. He had an issue with you. So we're at this hotel, and this guy like really doesn't like Darnell, and like it's got to be because he's black. I mean, there's no other reason. Then the guy says to me, I don't know if it was like you were sleeping or if it was after you left, if maybe I was there an extra day or something. But yeah, you were there an extra day. Oh, I was. I was. Okay, yeah. So the guy's like. He's like, talk, we're talking about the country and I'm like trying to speak Spanish. I like speak no Spanish at that time. And I'm like, well, we've been here. We've been here. We've been here. I'm like, I'd like to get here and here and here. And one of those places I mentioned was Esmeraldas. And the guy's like, Esmeraldas, like black people live there. Why the fuck would you want to go there? And I'm like, oh, that's why you were like, you know, looking at my friend that way. Like, um, it was funny too, because he gave me a ride back to Quito and like charged me for it. You mean the airport? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, to From, Quito. Yeah, to yeah. Quito. Because you were going back somewhere else and I was going to Quito oh, to right. go get that's some right. bags. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he like, he, I stayed there, I think, um, you know, because he had a, a hotel, but really it's not a hotel. It was just his house. Yeah, yeah. He turned it into maybe like what would be considered like a bed and breakfast or something. Yeah. And so I stayed maybe afternoon and... Even a real hotel in Ecuador won't charge you an extra day for something like that. You oh, know, you mean he charged you for the extra he, day? He charged me for oh, the extra day. <laughs> he charged me for the extra day, and then he charged me to give me a ride to Quito. So I mean, he might have charged me an extra seventy five dollars or something like and this that. This was like before you know you knew the deal and spoke Spanish to tell him to go fuck himself. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, and that's geez. all it would have taken for him to not charge me. But he sure. had like an issue with me with and the color of your skin yeah right no and he did, did he did and didn't even tell me that he was going to charge me extra for for staying like two hours afterwards <laughs> in a very informal Which setting exist in ecuador no but that doesn't like you said that doesn't exist right but anyway so that was an experience we had um i don't know that we there's been many more like that um that might have been this one of the strongest ones i um, would say that that's really the only one that yeah. i could really point to in almost three years here yeah um, and I'd say also, too, that um, I certainly get treated differently from other black people who are from Ecuador. Yes. And that and that's what I wanted to get into. It's like it's like what you've done a magnificent, a magnificent job of, from my perspective, is making people treat the human being as opposed to any other prejudices they may or may not have. Because it's like, as you were touching on a minute ago. People very much cast people based on whatever they think about them, color, uh, sk uh, skin tone, size, family, last name, where they're from, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so 
in Loja, and this is a little different on the coast, it's different on other places, but in Loja, if you're black, basically you people look at it like basically you either play soccer, you're a security guard, or a police officer. Or military. Or military, absolutely. Those you are know, like, you could say police officer, military, sort of the same kind of thing. Yeah. So like you, so like you to this day even, but before a lot, you used to get like, you know, people used to come up to Darnell and like ask him for his autograph. <laughs> and Darnell's like, you know, he's like fairly muscular. He's like fairly well built, like not like a bodybuilder or anything, but like, you know, he's like could be mistaken for an athlete. Um, which, and if I wear athletic clothes, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like I was at the municipality a couple of weeks ago and the lady was like, excuse me, are you on the soccer team? <laughs> right. Which happens to you like fairly regularly and used to happen all the time. Used to happen all the time. <laughs> Hasn't happened in a while, but right. like normally I'm wearing a suit during the day. Um, so right. it was like I was running to the municipality like early in the morning. I went to get there at eight. So I just threw on some sweats and went there. And like the lady was like staring at me for five minutes before she got up the courage to ask me if I was on the soccer team. But she didn't ask you to sign her breast or anything, did she? Um, <laughs> no, but if her husband wasn't there, I think she might have. Right. So, <laughs> so what I've seen, like what I've observed happen many times is like Darnell will like really fuck with people's preconceived notions so like look at darnell and be like oh black guy like your ex and then like they'll look at him again and they'll be like shit that's a really nice suit and then like they'll look at him again and they'll be like oh they'll hear him talk and they'll be like oh shit you know he's not from here he's uh, a business person no um, english teacher would be the first english, would right be people thing. think well for both of us we yeah, you right. know they we're, like, there's like not a lot of most of the foreigners here like are either jehovah's witnesses or or english teachers um yeah so so like but then like people but then like what i'll see happen time after time is like darnell will like then speak to the person and like within 30 seconds he has their complete respect and like so that's interesting about ecuador it's like people might be racist in a certain way they might like look at people differently in a certain way but it's like it seems fairly easily broken um because you know darnell has done business with the who's who of the upper class of Loha, who would be the most racist people in Loha for sure, um, and you know is is uh, part of the club. So um, you know, interesting that way from my perspective. Yeah, no, I think that's, um, and I don't think about it just because I myself, I you know, I don't have that perspective to look at it from somebody else's point of view. Um, but yeah, that's I I would say that's pretty accurate. So racing racing in Ecuador. <laughs> Hopefully we never have to talk about that again. Um, <laughs> some for some reason I doubt it. Well, at least maybe you won't have to talk about it. Again. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and going um, back to the whole um, gentrification of Aloha topic. Yeah. Um, something else that's interesting when you, uh, in the context of all the things that we've talked about so far, is the uh, regeneration project. Right. Um, that the uh, oh, local yeah, government has going on. So it's a, um, the project they've outlined, um, to take 28 months, but you know, like any other government project anywhere in the world, it will take much longer than that. We'll see though. I, although I got to say, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have to say Ecuador for all its socialist government bullshit, Ecuador does an amazing job of getting projects hammered out. Um, they, I mean, guys sit around less on government jobs than they do where I'm from. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> You know, you might be right. I mean, they're saying, but they're talking about doing the entire urban core of the city. Uh, and they're saying that they can do this in 28 months. I think it's going to be more like 36. 
Um, but we'll see. We'll which, see what happens. Which would be a major accomplishment for government if 28 only turned into 36. <laughs> chalk that up in the win column. Well, I'm I'm taking into account your comment about, you know, the government doing things somewhat quickly here when it comes to infrastructure projects. So I think, you know, plus eight months is about right. I mean, they're having similar issues with the um, with the tram project in Cuenca. Right. They're, they're pushing that back by a year. Although I think that's more like a running out of money thing. Although I'm not sure completely about that but that seems more like <laughs> yeah. you know oops we ran out of money than like you know we just can't get this done right well i mean either way <laughs> delay one in the same yes <laughs> right but anyways talk about the project a little bit so what is what are what is the plan for um the 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 uh the, the mayor chato uh has here in lohan and 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 w- what are they trying to do yeah so um Really, it's just a uh, beautification of the city, which I think also is something that that falls into um, to making the city more attractive to foreigners um, who it's already on the radar for. Um, so it's going to involve a complete overhaal of the water and sewer system. Right. Uh, and they're with, digging up all the streets all over for that. Right. Uh, obviously, they'll have to repave those when they're done. Um, they'll be burying all the um, all the um, fiber optic cable and electrical networks. Oh, so, is that right? So yeah. is, are they doing fiber optic th- like throughout now? Th- that's or? what, or at least just for the urban core, the connections are going to be there. And what is what is considered the urban core? The urban core is considered from um, starting at the uh, at the door of the city. Okay, so that's pretty far north. That's decent. Yeah, yeah. So and then and then go- how far south? Um, how far it goes down to about um, like does it get maybe out like to Super Maxi? No, it's about four or five blocks before Super Maxi. Okay. Um, so that's the north to south, and then from east to west, it's the rivers. So from Avendida, so the Imaniano, two rivers basically. Yes. Okay. Well, just to give people perspective on that, um, let's see. I you know I'm familiar with New York. I'll have to use that. Maybe you can give them a Boston reference. But if you were looking at Manhattan versus Loja and saying that same distance. It would be like something like mm, 110th Street down to like 10th Street and to, you know, 3rd Avenue to 10th Avenue kind of thing mm-hmm. um, would be like would be like that side, that amount of coverage for the city. So a pretty good section. Yeah. I'd see if we were talking about Boston, we would be saying... All of the downtown area, I'd say, um, including the theater district, so from um, Interstate 90 or the or Mass Pike, to I guess you could say to um, to like Faneuil Hall, basically somewhere something like that. I have no idea what you're talking about, but um, yeah. Anyway, so so they're doing they're burying all that, and then what are the other plans? Um, so in addition to bearing all that, they're going to be um, adding LED lighting. Where? On the um, streetlights? On the streetlights, yeah. Um, Are they going to put in those like those like rape phones that they put on <laughs> college campuses as well? <laughs> or only the LED? No, well, rape is legal in Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> We're both joking, folks. <laughs> right. So LED lighting. <laughs> so is belting your girlfriend. Saying, so. It's not legal. In fact, they're cracking down on that shit. Be careful, guys out there. <laughs> so LED lighting, uh, fiber uh, optic, fiber sewer optic, water, sewer yeah. water. Um, closing a couple of streets in the urban core to automobile traffic. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Or That's at least partially. Extremely unfortunate. What streets? Um, the one that I'm sure of uh, is 10 de Agosto. 
So okay. the street that um that yeah, that, that yeah the one that runs above Central Park. So if you're a business on that street, luck to you. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, uh, and then they'll be beautifying a couple of the major streets in the city, including uh, 24 de Mayo, where our office is, Juan de Salinas, which is kind of the uh, the major northbound secondary road that goes from east to west um, from the, uh, in the inside the urban core. Uh, and then, um, well, Diez de Agosto, which is one of the, one of the main secondary roads. So that would by be like secondary the cross roads, town, exactly. the cross town street, the east to west. And then, right. and then I, and I, then also Bolivar, which is the main, the main street in town that runs through like the Parque Central, like the right, exactly. center square. Yeah. It's basically the street that, um, well, I guess that's not the entrance to this door of the city, but it's close by. Yeah. And then, and then they're, they're doing a bunch of, uh, my understanding is they're doing a bunch of like building code stuff in some of the downtown area as well. That, I mean, I, I don't know that anything's changing with the building codes cause they already have some building some codes in, in place. I think all the building codes are in place. Um, oh, what, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. One thing that they're going to do specifically with Juan de Salinas as well is they're going to put a divider in the road and like um, put a planter there with trees. So there'll be some tree planting as well too that and, happens throughout the city. And by that building code stuff, and I don't know, like I haven't really looked into it in terms of exactly what's on the books and what isn't and what's coming on the books, but I'm talking about basically um, the equivalent of, um, oh geez, the words escape. Zoning? Zoning, thank you. Um, so they're, you know, the type of facade you have to have, the type of roof, the type of blah, blah, blah in the certain area in downtown. Yeah. Um, they really already have that with the, um, you know, with um, really with uh, older buildings, how you can renovate them and right. things. They have very strict codes there. They have something similar in Cuenca. The, the thing that's <laughs> happened there in, you know, in terms of those kinds of things can work out well. I mean, it's worked out well in Cuenca with their zoning in terms of, you know, in the downtown area, you can only construct or remodel buildings in this way. In the in the city has a nice continuity to it. And as a result, I think that's one of the factors that's led more foreigners to go there is that it just aesthetically is a better looking city. I think Loja will make up some ground in that way with some of these things. Some of them will be good. Some of them will not be. But I think overall, will the city be a better looking city after the end of this project? Yes, I think so. No, agreed. I mean, look. Central planning has its benefits, you know, right. because you can centrally plan. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you want a city to look beautiful, just pass a law and point a gun at people's heads and make them do it. The issue that I have is that it's like, you know, and I lived through this in, in Brooklyn. It's like, you know, you're going to you're going to renovate the facade of your building and, you know, you you get your estimates, you hire your contractor, you're ready to rock. And, you know, your your bill is, you know, 20 grand. It's your estimate is 20 grand. All of a sudden. It ends up being a hundred grand because you've got to meet, you've got to use this material specifically and you've got to change this and this and this in order to comply with the code and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, you know, it's just a hindrance to life. You know, it's just a, it's just, so, no. but, but agreed. Absolutely. It will look better. And Cuenca has looked in, you know, does look incredible in certain parts of the city as a result of those things. So, you know, you absolutely, that's true. Right. So, um, what I think is of interest to to our listeners in this case is just that you've got a gentrifying city, 
um, that's going to, that's putting in improved infrastructure is going to look aesthetically more pleasing. And as a result of the current economic situation has real estate that can be purchased at a discount. Absolutely. Um, so I think that's the, the main thing. And also for, you know, expats who are listening, listening into this podcast, the city is also improving its general services and quality of life for people in a way that I think um, is going to be of interest to people. You know, a couple of things that I've um, noticed um, in terms of changes in the last almost three years at this point is, you know, a lot of those new concept, really nice looking restaurants, um, really nice coffee shops. Um, and you know, that's kind of something that's universal. I mean, if you're back home and you get a Starbucks in your neighborhood when you didn't have one, I mean, you know, start buying real estate. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, That's true, by the way. (laughs) I think they call it like the Starbucks indicator or something. (laughs) If it's not an indicator, it should be because it's a hundred percent true. You know, we were talking about, uh, my hometown back in, in Massachusetts, Waltham, um, you know, we just got a Starbucks since I've been gone. And I mean that the city, you know, that's obviously been gentrifying for 10 years, for 10 years. And like, that's kind of the icing on the cake before, <laughs> right. before in 2013, the last time I was home, I would have to go to a surrounding town to go get a Starbucks coffee. A now, previously gentrified surrounding town. <laughs> exactly. And the, and the other interesting thing about Waltham is that it's surrounded by a bunch of different towns that, that are some of the most expensive places to live in all Massachusetts. So, you know, to the South, you have Newton. To the West, you have Weston, which might be the most expensive place to live in all of Massachusetts. Top five for sure. And then you have Lexington to the, to the North. So all of those places have really high-end school districts um, and um, are just beautiful towns and close to Boston and, and um, uh, close to 128. So if you want to get North or South of the city, or north or south of the state, you know, to to go somewhere outside of the city, it's very easy to do. You're ten miles away, ten to twelve miles away from downtown Boston, and uh, you're very close to all the highways. You can get out west, you can get out of the state, you can get north, you can get south um, very effectively. So, um, and you've got a lot of businesses who've set themselves up out there as well too. So, um, kind of interesting in that way. Um, Starbucks, <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah, but the coffee shops, I mean, yeah. is where that started. It's like, it's like you're just seeing that here. Um, and not just coffee shops, all of all any business, any business that open that is opening new at this point is a nice business, right? And it's generally replacing, um, not a not nice business, but just something that is not, um, pretty basically, <laughs> right? So, you know, you know, I would put that in the category of new services. The other, um, the other ones I would say would be um, public sector infrastructure improvements in new construction. Yeah, you know, we a just, lot of new construction. Yeah, just finished talking about the regeneration project. You've had um, on the main bus lines in town, you've had um, upgrades, so newer buses that are, you know, letting off less smog, you know, that are newer. Um, and then also you have um, on the main bus route, new bus stations, yeah. you know, that are manned with people. Um, that are, you know, aesthetically more pleasing, um, you know, and those are, those are, you know, it was already adding to a nice thing about Loja, which is that you can get almost anywhere in the city for 30 cents a ride. The other thing too, that's awesome about Loja is that there's all, very little traffic. Now there's a little more now with the regentrification, the gentrification, the improvement, the, what are, what are we calling it? What are we calling uh, it? the, uh, you know. 
urban renewal. Renewal, right. <laughs> right. We're not going to have any food deserts in law. <laughs> All right, that's a joke, folks. Um, the, the nice- Food deserts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Man, that's such like a lefty, like- right. Like, uh, it, like if that's in your lexicon, like I can tell you that you listen to a lot of NPR, uh, that you- <laughs> you're very worried about carbon emissions and climate change and you're willing to pay for it. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, you, you want everybody to have an equal playing field. But, right. um, <laughs> the funny thing about that is, is though, is that like government has done such a good job of, of taking what really are good things that people want and twisting them and turning yeah. them into like this really strange ideology that, yeah. that is really the opposite of that. That's right. Cause it's like those things wanting them in and of themselves are not bad. They're, they're like, great. they're, they're great. like what everybody yeah, wants. That's right. So it's like by teasing, by teasing in a certain way, it's like you're kind of demeaning them, which I don't mean to demean. It's right. just that how those things look is just turns out to be, well, we just want higher taxes. And control. And control. I mean, taxes and control, right? We want your money and we want to control you know, control you. Right? And those things are bad. Anyway. Um, exactly. Sorry for uh, interrupting <laughs> you. Go on. No, no. I don't know. Was I saying something? But um, no, I mean, that's interesting. What else? Is there anything else you have for the, gen- for the uh, urban renewal? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. What I was saying is just the traffic. There, mm-hmm. There's just very oh, yeah. little traffic in Loja, which is really cool. And there's a little more now because they're digging up streets, so they have streets closed all over. Um, and somebody who drives all around Loja every day, you know, I'm very like, you know, uh, the quality of my life is affected by the traffic. Um, but they're even now with the streets dug up, if you sit in traffic for five minutes, that's like bad. Um, so, you know, coming from New York, I'm pretty happy. And the uh, last thing I'll touch on just in, in terms of um, the urban renewal and what that means to people who are interested in buying property in the city, um, this economic situation has also created um, some opportunities um, to, you know, to finance construction that's right. going on. Uh, we have a, uh, an architect um, friend of ours uh, who approached us about um, financing the completion of a building in downtown Loja. It's four blocks away from the urban, you know, from uh, the center of town, um, right on the main road. Uh, David, David, David the, yeah, well, David. That's, um, it's it's from the municipio, which is basically in Parque Central. It's two and a half blocks. Okay, so two and a half blocks. Okay, so it's really almost like right, right downtown. Right. So very close in the in um. He uh he designed one of the properties that's on our website, one of our listings in Taxiche. Um, that Beautiful has property. has a, a house, incredible views, uh, a planted garden, um, in a really modern style of uh, in layout, um, pool as well too. Um, so the construction is very forward thinking, um, very modern, and really reminds me of a lot of the real estate that you'll find in Cuenca. So he remodeled the building. Uh, but they ran out of money in there and they're short about $40,000 to complete the construction. It has um, three commercial spaces on the ground floor. It's got a two floor apartment, two studio apartments and one three bedroom apartment um, with a uh, common space, a roof deck where they're going to put a, a barbecue area that all of the units will have access to um, and every unit will have parking as well. Uh, so they need 40 grand to finish this and they're looking for creative ways to finance it um, with the economic situation as it exists in Ecuador today. It's very difficult to get loans. Part of that is just banks aren't lending. Right. Um, part of it is that banks aren't lending. And so 
Um, if anyone would be interested in financing that project, I think we could set up a, um, a deal where you would get one of the uh, units as collateral um, for taking the risk. Um, yeah, and those kind of projects here pay a lot. I mean, people like like if you get a loan from a bank, you're paying between like 12 and 20 percent. So people are willing to pay those kind of returns um, for financing because that's just what the rates are here. So when you just mix up all of the different factors that we've touched on, you know, up into a ball. So you've got the regeneration project. You've got the fact that um, LOHA is gentrifying in lots of other ways in terms of improved services, in terms of the aesthetic of the city, in terms of um, the construction and the ease of getting around, um, along with the economic situation where you're able to get access to this market at a discount. Um, you know, there's lots of opportunities to be had. Uh, and anybody who's interested in learning more about that deal, uh, we'd be happy to, um, to have a conversation with you. Yeah, and there's other, you know, there's other very accomplished, uh, uh, developers in Loja who also are looking for financing at those same sort of interest rates who could return your money for sure at those numbers, uh, within a year or two. And, you know, so there's really good investments here for that. Um, and we, we know all of them, so <laughs> we'd be happy to hook you up. Um, all right, we've got, you know, not as much, we got, got, we didn't get to like anything we wanted to get to, but, um, we've got maybe 10, 15 minutes left. Um, let's see, I, you know, I, well, there's a lot of articles. In fact, you know what, I, I, before I get into this other stuff, which I really want to get into, I want to talk for one second, uh, well, make that five minutes <laughs> about, um, debt-based money and this, uh, comment that Donald Trump made uh, recently. And, you know, we don't talk U.S. politics here hardly ever. And the reason we don't talk U.S. politics hardly ever is because all politicians, whether U.S. or anywhere else, is controlled by a group of people, and the, 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 it's a show. So you guys are voting for a show. Um, we don't talk about it because regardless of who gets elected, the same things are going to place. So George Bush and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton and George Bush Sr. Uh, and Al Gore and anyone else are, are essentially the same person. Um, so we don't we don't really discuss that because it's 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 just a show. It's literally entertainment. Um, if you're into that, enjoy the entertainment. You know, I'm not into that. Um, you know, I, I, I can tell you what the next president is going to do now already on a lot of fronts so i don't enjoy you know discussing that yeah it's, um, it's basically the opposite of anything that he tells you or she tells you <laughs> right yeah right Bas right right <laughs> i'm gonna close down guantanamo eh. i'm gonna i'm gonna get out of uh, i'm gonna get out of iraq the and focus on, on eh. focus on afghanistan label gmos eh. i mean you name it and that's true for any president i'm not picking i'm gonna on i'm gonna cut the deficit right ha <laughs> 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 right i think every republican president in the history of the world has promised to cut the deficit and added to it by a huge amount. I mean, if you no, want... Well, I mean, but Obama also talked about cutting the deficit. <laughs> right. If you go back to his... Ha, 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 Right. So, so we don't talk about politics really here because it's bullshit. Um, however, this, is, this gave me... This is interesting. So setting this up, okay? Any country, which is every country on the planet, any country who prints money at interest, debt-based money, eventually their currency collapses, okay? So if you're not familiar with that story, Google debt-based currency or 
fractional reserve lending and enjoy the next three days of your life uh, figuring that out. But um, money is created at interest and the interest is not created without interest to repay the interest on the money that was created. Okay, so that's true of any currency on the planet. All currencies on planet Earth are created at interest. Therefore, there becomes a mathematical point in the uh, history of that currency where not enough new money can be created to pay back the interest that was created on the old money. See Venezuela. (laughs) Which I have some nice articles for that, by the way, if you want to talk about that. But um, exactly. And see every other country on the planet. Uh, Generally, currencies collapse every 40 years because of Bretton Woods and other factors. The U.S. dollar has been in place for longer. But um, okay, so... Donald Trump, and I didn't, I haven't watched it, I haven't even read about it really. Um, Donald Trump, and this is out of Forbes, uh, the headline is Donald Trump's glorious threat to default on the national debt is just the conventional wisdom. And I got to say, you know, look, he writes for Forbes, he's not authorized to really talk about it, but he kind of hits it. Donald Trump has pointed out that if the U.S. got into trouble with the national debt, Ha ha ha! If the U.S. got into trouble with the national debt, uh, that but, might be the be- if that's not the best part of the article. Like if it gets better it gets from there, better. like it does get. Better. Please read on. Uh, then it would be possible to negotiate that debt down, aka default. That's my commentary. <laughs> Perhaps buy it back at a discount, aka default. Negotiate somehow with the holders of the debt so that they will agree to take less than the full amount they were owed. They are owed, aka default. This has, of course, uh, this has, of course, had all sorts of people up in arms. But the glory of this is that Donald Trump is exactly correct here. Yeah, you think? Even if we usually prefer that people don't say so. To prove this point, I mentioned that just for, I mentioned just four words: uh, Puerto Rico, Argentina, Greece. Oh yeah, well I guess Puerto Rico's two words. Okay, you got it. Four words for what it is that all people are thinking. All financiers. Bien pensants. What is that? I don't know. Bien pensants and politicians have been calling for in those three cases. Sorry, let me read that better. For what is it that all right-thinking people, all financiers, bien peasants, and politicians have been calling for in those three cases? That there's too much debt and thus those who lent the money should be paid back something less than the amount they lent. And one can see a certain similarity between those who argue so and those who are the most horrified at Donald Trump in general. Yet all Trump is actually uh, is actually giving voice to here is the entirely conventional wisdom. So I'm not even going to read the rest of the article. It's fascinating. I encourage any of you out there listening to go read it. It's out of Forbes. It's called, you can Google it. It's called Donald Trump's glorious threat to default on the national debt is just the conventional wisdom. But here's the point. Here's the takeaway. The United States at some point in time will have to, by math, default on their debt. And when that happens, the dollar will collapse. And when the dollar will collapses, things are going to be very uncomfortable in that country. Um, so that's happening. And what's interesting to me about it is that a presidential candidate, at this point it looks like I think I don't follow this stuff, but just from what I've gathered on Facebook, it, it appears that one of two uh, remaining, basically, presidential candidates, him and, him and Hillary, which you know are different candidates, mind you, uh, Um, is actually putting this into the public arena that the U.S. debt situation is so out of hand that a frontrunner for the U.S. presidential uh, candidacy, for for the presidency, 
is talking about defaulting on debt. And, and, wow. Yeah. And, you know, of course, lots of pro-growth policies to grow the economy right. because we Make can America grow our Make America great way. again, I believe, is his slogan. <laughs> Make America great Peter again. Peter Schiff has some great commentary, by the way, on Trump's comments, which you can look up as well. Um, we're running out of time. I'm not going to get into that any further. But a U.S. presidential frontrunner just talked about defaulting on debt. If you had a camera on me, you'd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one day, and one day we'll have the uh, the live show and the uh, the video feed as well too, so you guys can see our smiling faces here. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's even really there's God. There's so much financial news. We're gonna have to get all. I think we'll have to get to all that next week. But um, one one thing I wanted to touch on, if I can do it well, and uh, Darnell, please help me out here if you see the opportunity. Um, and there's kind of like two topics tied into each other. And some of this is going to sound a little new agey, uh, which I have to, I apologize for in advance. Um, I am not new agey. I mean, you, if you've listened to me over the last you know year or so, you know that I'm not new agey. Um, you know, one yeah. point that I want to just touch on why that you get into that, because it reminds me of, the comment that uh, I made not too long ago about the whole like lefty thing. And it's like, there's been such a good job done to like group these different ideas or ways of thinking or um, ways that people would like to see the world into a box. Right. And so it's like, you know, you sound very silly if you're talking about something that's quote unquote new age or like liberal or conservative conservative or or whatever. You know, what what have you or like capitalism or socialism, everything is like an ism, a thing, <laughs> right. um, an ideology where it, but really that's not true. Um, you know, we're using these terms because it's terms that people are familiar with. I think that's kind of the issue and the problem in a certain way. That, that is such an excellent point. Because it stops people from looking at what makes sense because everything has been put in a box and it gets either praised or ridiculed or, um, you know, makes people feel ashamed of it in a certain way. Um, in, in that really could be the antithesis or, or sort of a barrier to, to, um, to people living the way they want to. But I digress. Go no, ahead. I mean, that's really well said. Um, I won't add to it at all. Before I get into this, two headlines very quickly out of Pan Am Post. Hungry Venezuelan soldiers steal goats amid food shortages. I will not read the article, but guys, vote socialist. Second article, hungry Venezuelans hunt dogs, cats, pigeons as food runs out. But I digress. Um, Okay, so here's what I want to get into. Two things very quickly. Um, I hope to take less than 10 minutes to do this because we've got to wrap up the show. I wonder whose goats those are. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They like go into somebody's farm like, give me that goat. Well, they have guns. They're the military. So, you know, vote 2016. (laughs) No, we're past 2016. Vote. 2017. Whatever you do, vote. (laughs) Um, It doesn't matter, but you know. You know, you've got to you got to participate in the process. It's going to turn out the same way whether you <laughs> participate or don't, but participate. <laughs> um, so I want to get into very quickly the nature of reality. I know I said very quickly the nature of reality and fear. That doesn't sound very quick. No. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do the nature of reality and fear in under 10 minutes. Um, so I can't get into this because I don't have time. But 
You're, you have a computer. Google the double slit experiment. Okay, so the double slit experiment and others proves that nothing exists until we interpret it into existence. Okay, so okay, that's quant- so if a tree falls down in the, in the forest, forest right. and no one's there to hear it, <laughs> right. did it actually fall? <laughs> so that's you know we're in we're in quantum physics world here. We're in you know, esoteric. We're out there, but um, there has been a lot of scientific evidence that shows that. It is the mind interpreting frequency or interpreting energy that brings it into existence. Prior to that, it did not exist. It was simply in the form of vibration or energy. This is an article actually from 2015. It's out of sciencealert.com. You can certainly Google it and find it. It says, reality doesn't exist until we measure it. Quantum experiment confirms. Um, And this plays off of the double slit experiment Um, I'm not going to read the whole article, but I'll read a little piece of it. Australian scientists have recreated a famous experiment and confirmed quantum physics' bizarre predictions about the nature of reality by proving that reality doesn't actually exist until we measure it. Um, Skipping a little bit. That all sounds a little mind-meltingly complex, but the experiment poses a pretty simple question. If you have an object that can either interact... uh, You know what? Actually, that's... uh, It's a little too much to get into this whole article right now. But here's my point. What these, what quantum physics is proving in this day and age, okay, what what the metaphysical world is proving in this day and age is that to a degree, and and we can debate about what degree, I would be on the side of almost 100%. Other people who still understand these things might argue less than that. Um, To a degree, we create our own reality. Um, by how we interpret things. And I'll give you a quick example. Uh, You stub your toe and your toe hurts and you interpret that feeling as pain and you scream about it and you yell about it and you're upset. Well, you've just created your feeling, right? Yes, something happened, you stubbed your toe, but you could have decided, wow, this is an opportunity to um, realize I should be more careful when I'm walking (laughs) or this is an opportunity to you know, learn something about, um, I don't know, mindfulness, whatever, like, like whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, Contemplate the mysteries of the universe. (laughs) Right. Um, But the point is, is that um, the law of attraction here is very much in play. Um, And I'm not a huge subscriber to the secret and all of that stuff, which probably a lot of you are familiar with, although I think they get a lot of it right. Um, They're also missing a lot of pieces. Um, But the law of attraction very much exists, and we know through science that we create our own reality, that literally the perception that we have of vibration and frequency creates our experience. Okay, so that being said, I think what I see a lot, and Darnell, you've talked to me about this a lot, so I know you see it a lot. What we see a lot is we see a lot of people thinking about moving to Ecuador or even moving to Ecuador, who have a lot of fear. Um, They're afraid of Ecuadorians. They're afraid of life. They're afraid of things happening to them. Um, You know, whatever, whatever their fears are. They're they're afraid of all, and and look, I, I understand that. I mean, I would be lying if I said when I didn't get on that plane with you on July 31st, 2013, I didn't have apprehension. I did. Um... 
we came here speaking, you know, six words of Spanish between the two of us. Um, I had five of those, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, so, I mean, understandable, like, right? New culture, new language, new part of the world. You're going to have a little bit of, I hate, hesitate to use the word fear, but you're going to have a little bit of fear, certainly some apprehension, um, going to a new place. You know, it's funny, like, because I'm just not as smart as you. Like, I didn't have any of those fears. <laughs> you know, call it stupidity, call it arrogance. It's probably a mix of the two. <laughs> That's funny. I did not know that until this moment. Because <laughs> um, I just, well, I mean, talking about creating your own reality, yeah. and maybe this is, this is a good example of this, is that, you know, the idea coming here was just to, you know, to, you know, purchase a piece of land and develop it and make lots of money. And that to me was in line with the kind of life that I wanted to create, which was going to be a lot more freedom and a lot more control and a lot more time with my family. And that's all I thought about. The other stuff, I just felt like, well, do those challenges exist? Are there going to be challenges that present themselves? Absolutely but that's not going to change my decision to make it work. So it just never entered into my mind. It wasn't until, you know, six months afterwards when I was thinking, wow, this is really hard. And like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that I thought about the other stuff, but it, I'd be lying if I told you that any of those things crossed my mind before I came. Very interesting. And by the way, Darnell just like verbalized the beauty of himself in that statement. Like, you know, that's like the beauty of you right there. Like, that's awesome. But the only point I want to make, and we, we've got to wrap up, but the only point I want to make is that if you come to Ecuador or any other place or any other venture in your life and you're thinking about all the things that could go wrong, what if I get robbed? What if I get killed? You know, what if, what if, what if you know, I can't get my visa? What if, um, you know, I, I, the dollar collapses? What if, um, you know, everything I think is not the way I think and this happens and that happens and blah, blah, blah. And oh my God, this person tried to, you know, scam me and all these. If that's what's on your mind, by the law of attraction, some of those things are going to come to pass. And I think what you and I have witnessed here is that, that's really true. The people who come here and they're like, hey, I'm here. I love, I'm loving life. I'm here to do X, Y, and Z. They, they succeed and have a great time. People who come here with lots of fear. What if this happens? What if some of those things end up happening? And so that's all. That's all. That's really the only point I want to make. If you're anything you do in your life, but certainly something this big, Watch your attitude. Keep your attitude in mind so that you can attract the things to you that you want to experience as opposed to the things you don't want to experience. Yeah. You know, and I'll, and I'll close with uh, one thought that ties in really well to, um, to this topic and what you just mentioned. And that's that I can point to so many things that have happened um, in so much support that I've gotten um, from places that I didn't, ex from places that I didn't expect it because of that attitude. As um, have I. You know, um, yeah, and I, this will get personal, but I think it's, it's important for people to know, not a personal story about me, but just in terms of the, the actual point. Um, you know, and this is kind of funny that, <laughs> that, that he came up earlier, but my father, um, growing up, we weren't close at all. Or when I was growing up, we weren't close. Um, you know, my parents got when he, divorced. When he was growing up, you weren't close? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, when he was growing up, I was, you know, not, I didn't exist yet. 
Um, but, um, you know, we didn't really have much of a relationship to speak of. And that's not to say that, you know, he didn't care about me or anything like that. You know, those are just the circumstances of life that as you become an adult, you realize um, why your parents maybe make certain decisions. Um, and that's just part of part of growing up in the maturation process. But but, um, you know, I got into a situation where um, where I needed some help financially uh, and he would be the last person that I would have ever considered asking. Um, and, uh, you know, he came through for me in, in a way that um, that that I would have never expected. Um, and I think that's because, and you know, at least something that he had voiced to me was just that um, he was proud of the decision that I made to come here and to um, and to try to, uh, you know, do something positive and to do something that could be, um, you know, that could that could um, allow me to, you know, just be able to have a, a lifestyle that I think he would have liked to have as well. Um, and so that was that was a place that I got help from that I didn't expect to. Um, but it would have never happened if I hadn't come here and had that mindset that, you know, I was going to um, make my my trip here to Ecuador a successful one. Right. Well, um, again, wanted to thank everybody for joining us on the 20th episode of the In Ecuador Insider podcast. Uh, again, um, we are a real estate and relocation services firm based in Loja, Ecuador. Uh, you can visit us at our website at abecuador.com. That's A as in Apple, B as in boy, ecuador.com. You can reach us toll free from the U.S. and Canada at 888-999-0948 or via email at info at abecuador.com. Just a reminder, we'd love to hear your thoughts about the real estate tour. And what was the other thing that we were asking for feedback about? Uh, well, not feedback, just if anybody has questions or topics they'd like covered uh, covered on our show, shoot them to us and we'll, and we'll try to cover them. Great. Uh, and then also uh, to learn more information about our ancillary services, like our real estate tour and relocation services, uh, you can find um, more information about the real estate tour at abectour.com or our relocation services at ecrelocation.com. Thanks again for joining us, joining us this on, week. Hold on, oh, I have one to more add thing. This. Next week, tune in for five more sex positions perfect for pegging your man to be continued. Wow. That's a great way to wrap it up. And um, <laughs> if you are anything like Jesse or myself, next week you will find out what pegging means. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night. All right. See you next week.